Hello, my name is Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price, a medical oncologist and president of Lung Cancer Canada. Welcome to our podcast series called Lung Cancer Voices. In this series of podcasts, I'm interviewing patients, caregivers, healthcare professionals, some of the leading lung cancer researchers in the country, indeed in the world, to highlight important and relevant issues facing those affected by lung cancer. So welcome to this uh, episode of Lung Cancer Voices. And uh, during the pandemic, of course, we're doing things uh, remotely. But even if we weren't in the pandemic, I suspect we would be doing this particular interview uh, remotely. I'm speaking to Elise Leggett. And uh, Elise is in Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories. And I'm here in Ottawa. So we are literally thousands of miles apart. Um, and we're going to be talking a little bit about what it's like to have a lung cancer diagnosis when you live in a more remote part of the country. So Elise, uh, welcome to Lung Cancer Voices. Uh, maybe you could introduce yourself to uh, those who are listening. Okay, thank you for uh, having me speak with you. I'm, I'm, I really feel privileged to do this. My, my, um, my name, as you said, is Elise. And I've lived in the Northwest Territories since 1986. Before that, I was back and forth between Calgary and the Yukon. So I love the North. I love the North because it's beautiful. Uh, you feel the weather, whether it's the summer or the winter, and the people are amazing. There may not be very many of us, but uh, people are very supportive and helpful and kind and uh, willing to listen to the story. My background is anthropology, so I do a lot of work in the communities and continue to do when I'm not in isolation. And I've always really enjoyed that because I know where I live because I've had the privilege of hearing the stories of the past from uh, the Dene perspective. So I feel very privileged to know that I live on uh, their land and Treaty 8 and Treaty 11 land and that I am able to go and visit in the communities and work with elders and youth. So I think that's enough about me. Well, except that you said something that I don't know. So could you just briefly put, tell me what, what's Treaty 11? Oh, Treaty 11 is a treaty that was signed in 1921. The folks that I work with, the, the Klincho uh, Denny, uh, have since done a land claim agreement that was done, that was finalized in 2005. So they now follow that uh, uh, land claim and self-government agreement uh, that they made with the federal government and the territories. Right. Now you said that it uh, is not, uh, not a huge population. I, I was doing a bit of reading uh, of the three Canadian territories I think you're in the most populous one. Yeah, Northwest Territory is just shy of 45,000. Yeah. Um, Yukon, just over 40,000. And Nunavut, uh, just, a, just a hair under 40,000. But yeah. really across the whole uh, north of, of Canada is uh, 125,000 odd inhabitants. And you know we can put that in context. I'm here in Ottawa, which is uh, the, the national capital region is about a million. Um, so, um, but let me just clarify something too, is I don't personally feel that Yellowknife is remote. <laughs> I think that we have a lot of connections or did before the COVID-19 with uh, the rest of Canada. And it's, it's almost like a suburb of some of the, the larger cities. We're different for sure, but 
Right. I personally, a lot of people do feel they're remote, but I don't. I mean, the, the smaller communities are much more remote because you have to fly in from Yellowknife to those communities. Right. So I've never been to the Northwest Territory. I, I was in Nunavut uh, last year, and, and maybe somewhat similarly, Iqaluit has a population of eight or 9,000, which is a significant proportion of Nunavut. And if I understand, Yellowknife is around 20,000? That's correct. Mm -hmm. Right. So maybe, Elise, you could tell us um, a little bit why you're on a Lung Cancer Voices podcast. Uh, what's your connection with lung cancer? Well, I'm not sure how I, I got can lung cancer, but people often say, did you smoke? And I go, who didn't smoke in my age when we were going to university? The, the, the universities were full of uh, cigarette smoke. So I think it's hard to think of anyone who didn't smoke that was going to, the, going to university in the 70s. Uh, for sure. So that's probably where, where, it, where it started. But in my family, we have, our weaknesses are our lungs, like I'm an asthma, asthmatic uh, person too. So I'm all, I've always been very protective of my lungs. So it wasn't a shock when I heard I had cancer out in the lungs, but I have to say that I am so happy with our medical system because I, the only evidence I had that I was sick, I had been sick a lot, run down, but comparative to many young people, I seemed to have more energy than some of them. But I had pink eye. And so the eye doctor told me if the pink eye didn't go away, I should go and see my doctor. And it was the doctor who heard a rattling in my lungs. And I said, oh, it's just my asthma. And they went, no, you should have it checked. But it was the radiologist that found the tumor that I had. So then I was sent to the cross in Edmonton for uh, a test. And they thought, because I was in pretty good shape, that, that probably it had just was, the tumor was just in my, in my uh, upper uh, right lobe. But in fact, it had spread to my pleura. So in fact, I had stage four lung cancer. Uh, they did the biopsy. I didn't have any uh, markers for certain uh, clinical trials. And then there was a clinical trial, if I remember correctly, that it was when, when you didn't show markers that, you, that we would go on two uh, chemos and two immune therapies. And I chose to do that. It was Dr. Charles, Charlie Butts that, that, was my that is my oncologist. Right. And um, it, he explained it to me. I called Lung Cancer Canada and chose to go with that uh, clinical trial. So um, in January, February is when I was, February, March of 2018, I was diagnosed. And I'm probably healthier right now than I've been in seven or eight years. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's great. Wow, that's right. I, that Gervalumab is the, the drug of choice for me. Okay. Wow. <laughs> So, uh, well, with uh, Dr. Charlie Butts, you, you've got one of uh, Canada's leading oncologists in your camp. So, uh, so that's, uh, that's helpful. Um, so maybe I could just clarify a couple of points you made. Um, so the, the lung cancer was stage four because it had spread to the pleura, which is the, the lining of the lung. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, once it spread to the lining, we can't get it out with an operation, which was what right. makes it stage four. And when you said you didn't have some of these molecular types um so routinely when people have diagnosis of lung cancer then they, they, they there's a series of tests to try and find 
these various uh, uncommon subtypes of lung cancer that can be treated with tablet treatments. And, and if, if you don't have one of those, then you move more to the chemo and the immunotherapy. So, so, um, so you're in uh, Yellowknife and um, Dr. Butts and the oncology team are in Edmonton. Um, maybe you could tell me like how far away is that? Um, I just drove it last week because I didn't want to go on planes, um, and it's uh, 1,500 kilometers. 1,500 kilometers. So that is a couple of days of driving, no? That's correct. It is. Did Unless you... you're very young and you like to drive for 24 hours. Well, it, it uh -huh. took, um, I would say, 15 and a half hours because they've opened a, a, a road that is pretty good. And do you do that on your own? No, I had a friend that went with me, uh, so I'm very thankful to Charmaine uh, because she had to, uh, when we came back, she had to also isolate, not just me. Is it possible to drive that road in the winter? No, I wouldn't. This is the last time I'll do it. I'll take the planes again. I usually fly. Okay. Now, who pays for all of this travel? There's um, Alberta. And first of all, I'll just say that Alberta and uh, the Northwest Territories have uh, an agreement, which I have not ever read. So I'm not an expert on it. But uh, they, there's an agreement for that they take care of uh, cases that we can't take care of in the Northwest Territories and don't have the specialists. The, the travel is paid for by uh, the GNWT. Medical travel is paid for by the GNWT. And you get, there's different levels of how much money you get, but I'm a self-employed person. So they give you uh, $68 for a place to stay and your food. And all of this is very helpful when you're going, uh, when you're going down or you can stay someplace. The logger house, they have a logger house, but they, with lung cancer, I chose not to stay there because there's people also there with TB, pneumonia, all kinds of other problems that I didn't feel like catching with my lung cancer. I wanted to be careful. So they pay for that. My treatment is paid for a pharmaceutical company, I believe. Okay. Now, GNWT, that's Government of Northwest Territory. Oh, yes. Correct. And so they pay your flights and then like a stipend for food and accommodation. And that's right. is that enough? Um, you have to supplement that. Once I found uh, the Compassion House in Edmonton, which is a, is a house for women with, with cancer, it's, it is enough, yes, because you can cook and, and do everything there, yes. And they also will pay for um, a support system, a, a support person to go with you if you have cancer. And, and um, how often you, have you taken this trip in the last couple of years? Well, at first it was every three weeks when I was on the two chemos and two immune therapies. So um, that lasted till December or January. I lose track because I was so often, I couldn't take my treatments because I had low white blood cells so much okay. and ended up in hospitals and you know the routine. But now that I'm just on Durvalumab, I go every four weeks. Every four weeks. And when you say you're, you're back and forth, you were in hospital, were you in hospital in Yellowknife? Yes, I was, I was in hospital in Yellowknife. And, and how, does that, how does that work if you're a cancer patient on, a, um, on treatments and you're in Yellowknife? Are there any oncologists who come up to Yellowknife 
to look after you or is it the the hospitalists and family docs and internists who who liaise with the team in Edmonton how, how does that work it's the doctor on call in the hospital that that actually talks to Dr. Butts. Okay. Are you able to, do you think, um, do any treatments in the future in Yellowknife? Do they, do they give any chemotherapies or drug cancer treatments sort of on the supervision of the Edmonton team, but closer to home? That would be nice. They have um, basic chemo treatments here. So some people get those treatments, but if you're on a study or I think that all lung cancer patients that I know are, whether they're on a study or not, are going to Edmonton. Right. And I believe liver um, cancer patients are going, I don't know all of them, but, but certainly the ones that, that I have met uh, go down. They, they do basic chemo here in Yellowknife, but right. not the clinical trials. And I think it would be great if we could do clinical trials here, but as you know, the nurses are especially trained for clinical trials to watch for side effects, et yeah. cetera. That may be one advantage of the pandemic, actually. So a lot of clinical trial rules uh, have been somewhat loosened uh, during the pandemic. And, and I think yeah. what many of us will hope is that as we at some point come out of the pandemic, um, some of the things that we've learned from loosening the rules that have, you know, looser rules that have worked really well can continue. Um, yeah. do, now, what about tests and things like that? Scans or biopsies, if you needed those, can they be done in Yellowknife or do you go to Edmonton for those two? Well, at, at Dr. Butts, once the pandemic started, he had, had said that I could do them in Yellowknife, but given the flights that take us down there, I felt that I may as well, because I have to go on a Monday, I come back on a Thursday, and, and my treatment is Wednesday, I may as well just have my appointment with Dr. Butts, my blood work done at the cross, and all of my CT scans done at the cross, because right. I'm there anyway. Okay, and they've been able to coordinate that nicely for you. Oh yeah, they're great at the cross, they're wonderful. I've met a, a rude person, or, I mean, they're just so supportive. The, um, so you mentioned there the pandemic, um, you know, that's obviously impacted all of us one way or another um, in our, you know, healthcare lives or in our home lives. But, you know, when you're um, on a treatment for stage four lung cancer, which is working so well and keeping you healthier than you felt in years, um, you know, it would seem to me that, that you'd want to carry on. Were you able to keep going without any uh, any hitches or, or were there changes? I have been able to continue going. Um, uh, first of all, I also want to tell you that my doctor in Yellowknife, Dr. McGee, is, he always looks at my CT scans and if I have any other additional questions, he, he, um, he talks to me about it. So I do have an amazing uh, support system with the medical teams that, that I have been privileged to have as well as as well as friends. Um, well, when I heard that um, about the pandemic and that we would have to, we have we've had five potential cases. They were all resolved, so we have no cases of of uh, COVID nineteen in the Northwest Territories. 
and I think it's because we have pretty strict rules up here about um, how how you well they're all over Canada but they're here as well and but one of them is that if you go if you leave the territories you have to isolate for uh, 14 days <clears throat> so I have just finished my 12th week of isolation since this all started and I know that that right off the bat when I heard that I would have to isolate I became um, tense <laughs> so because let me get this right since March 15th or 16th when this all really kicked off in Canada every time you've gone down for a treatment which is once every four weeks you're down there for three days and you well, come actually back four days but yeah mm -hmm. or you're down there for four days and then you come back and you have to isolate for two weeks that's correct and then you get about what 10 days of freedom relatively that's right. <laughs> in, in your bubble and then you go back down again that's what, correct that, that's an awful lot of isolation what 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 do you do what do you do with your time are you, are you a netflix fan or you read books or well happily i have work i still have work so i'm working on bringing some of the old uh, documents that i worked on with the with with uh, the clinket uh, the clincho um i've been we're bringing them up to date i'm working with uh, people in the communities but over the phone um i did, did do a workshop when i was uh, I was out of it, you know, like, but it was kind of interesting thinking about how you do research in the community, um, social issues, and it had to do with, with health, by the way. Um, healthy people, healthy land, and, uh, you know, keeping the, I kind of go for the seven feet as opposed to the six feet, because two meters is six and a half feet, but that's my little issue, because people kind of squish in, and, you know, wearing the masks and, and finding the right instruments to actually keep clean and give them to the elders so that they can speak into the recorder so we have done that but to back to the isolation i have been pretty good at isolation because i could ski in the winter so you can get outside and if you run across people or if you encounter people or if you choose to walk with them and you keep your distance it seems to be okay right um now that we're going into the winter and people are at that, at first, people nobody could go in each other's houses. So it was, it was, we were all in the same kind of um, situation. But now, as we're getting closer and closer to close, colder weather, and I find myself getting really stressed because um, I'm not by nature a, a person who uh, I don't mind being by myself. I enjoy myself, but. I really also really enjoy other people and sitting and having really good conversations and and uh, talking about issues and it's 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 different than when you walk with people. Yeah. So this last time I found that I was really I actually burst into tears when my doctor called me to find out how I was Dr. McGee just because I was so but but really let me just back up here a little bit because really the isolation is not as bad as knowing that you have to get on a plane and twice that I flew back from Edmonton and it wasn't quite as bad going down to Edmonton but back from Edmonton we have essential workers coming back and I was sitting right next arm to arm with people who were from all over Canada and yes you're wearing a mask 
And yes, uh, they tell you, I, I mean, I've made suggestions to um, our MLAs and our health folks, but it's the federal government that sets the rules for the, the, the airlines. But my argument is that the GNWT to keep those of us who do have to go down south and you usually have something like cancer or a heart problem or diabetes too or something like that when you're sent down to Edmonton. Uh, we need space from these people who are coming from all over Canada. Okay. And then what's the contradiction, Paul, is that you're sitting in the airport and there's lots of space. You get on the plane and you're smacked up next to somebody. You get off the plane and you go into isolation for two weeks. Now, I have it, things in my home that really clean the air. They're meta, they have UVs and they, they cost quite a bit of money. Um, I got it when I was in, having cancer, when I first heard I had cancer and low white blood cells. So it's something I did before. But I think it's really causing, and most people that live in the smaller communities are then put in hotels for two weeks you before they can go home. At so, least you smaller communities a couple of times uh, that you were working with some. And, and what happens to cancer patients from the smaller communities? Do they come to, do you know what happens with them? Do they have well, to watch down? I, I know a couple that are in the communities and they come uh, into uh, Yellowknife and then they go down. Now, I what I don't know, I haven't seen uh, some of them at the cross recently, so I don't know if they're, I know one woman who has chosen to, she doesn't have lung cancer, she has a different kind of cancer, but she's chosen not to go anymore because of the isolation from her family. Okay. Um, and I don't, I haven't seen the woman who I often see in, when I'm waiting to see Dr. Butts. I haven't seen her down there, so I'm not sure what's happening to her, uh, whether she's chosen to uh, put it off. But what, what I, and there's lots and lots of people who are coming through Yellowknife. They come in from the community, they fly down to the cross, they go back, and then they can stay in one of the four larger communities in the Northwest Territories, and then they can go home. And I'll just tell you quickly about a woman. She had liver cancer, not lung cancer, but it's basically cancerous cancer. And, and uh, she was an elder, quite old, and she went down. They knew she couldn't, she wouldn't live more than a month. She was sent back, she was put in isolation her younger sister, who's about my age, couldn't go to see her. And then uh, her sister did fly home with her and she died the day after. So um, I haven't heard that kind of story with a lung cancer person yet, but, but, but the isolation, um, especially, but I've heard many, many, many people talk about the crowded plane. Many, like why? Why are they isolating us when we're being careful and wearing masks and doing all of these things? Put us on planes, telling us that the air is fine on the plane, but you can't even be, you know, sit with, with friends outside and things. So um, I think the contradictions are causing people stress. And I know that when I, I, I get stressed, like I probably will by about Wednesday or Thursday about my next trip on the plane. I've noticed I have 
I've just noticed, I've not, haven't done research on this, that my white blood cells are lower when I'm stressed and flying on those planes. And that's why I chose last time to drive because right. I had more control over who I would be spending my time with, even if it took two days. Now, um, yeah, you, you imagine there's economic pressures, isn't there, which are influencing those decisions about jamming in the planes. Um, can I ask you, uh, um, pandemic aside, um, the, way, the way you tell the story, it sounds like you, you, you have a, a really good situation here that you're able to live in the place you want to live. You've got an excellent local healthcare team to deal with day-to-day -day issues, help you with, you know, when you were in hospital there, they communicate really well with the specialists in Edmonton. And then the government of Northwest Territory has a very nice system to get you back and forth for your specialist treatments. Am I, am I, over reading this, but it, it sounds like that you're very pleased with the the care that you're getting. Absolutely, and I'm pleased with the rules around the COVID-19 too. There's only, I, I feel that the people who are going down south, and so I'm going back to the COVID thing because it's tied up with the cancer right now, um, is that, that we could be, something could be done so that there was more space between those of us who may or may not have low white blood cells after our treatment and going back and forth, and that we could be tested with right. the rapid testing. I understand they're not 100%, but I don't know of any test that is 100%. Well, that's right. So now, um, I mean, and those are, those are things that I think would be really helpful for the COVID world. And I know you're going back to COVID and I'm keeping trying to drag you away from it again. So. <laughs> Um, let me ask okay. you. Let let me ask you one more question, and, and before we before we wrap up, um, uh, you've got this very nice balance of, of of living in a beautiful part of the country, <clears throat> and in and and you mentioned at the beginning your love of northern Canada and why you're there, and now a very nice balance of local healthcare and the specialists. But is there anything that you would like to see that would help lung cancer patients or indeed cancer patients? Uh, in, in Yellowknife and the communities have even better care? Certainly in the communities, because I think that uh, there's better care in, the nor in, in Yellowknife than there are in the smaller communities. I know that, um, <clears throat> now was your question about me talking directly to the patients or about the whole system? Well, I guess my question is, you, you know, I think you, you've, you've explained how you feel it's gone really well for you and, and, and it's a nice balance. And I'm just wondering what could have made it go even better for you? It, would it be the ability to actually have the treatments entirely in Yellowknife and you just go down to Edmonton, you know, once every six months for a checkup, but everything else is remote and virtual and, and you can get your treatment there? Or is it, do you like going to Edmonton and being in the specialist cancer center? Or are there other things that, um, that, smaller centers like Yellowknife or um, Whitehorse or Iqaluit or, you know, numerous other ones that we could think of. Uh, could they be doing more services or is it just, uh, there's just not enough cases to be able to make that? 
Um, I don't I don't know the statistics on that. I do know that that there could be better support and better education of lung cancer in the small communities so that people are are aware of the kinds of questions that they could be asking and that um, it would be very helpful if we had uh, people who understood these clinical trials here in the north so that people in the communities could also access them. I don't know anybody in the small communities that have been able to access a clinical trial. That might be my own ignorance, but I think that the biggest problem of this wonderful balance between Edmonton and the Northwest Territories works best if you are living in Yellowknife, in Yellowknife yeah. or a cow or somewhere like that. Right. Um, and I think it's really, and I, it's really kind of blowing up for me and for other people to see, given what's going on with COVID-19, it's bringing up a lot of the problems. And I think, but mostly, and I also would like to see something happen. I know that dying is not easy. I mean, we're all afraid of dying like you know any of us who have experienced death with other people and people automatically hear lung cancer they think it's a death sentence and people aren't aware of the amazing I mean I'm not taking away from the fact that lung cancer will probably be will probably kill me. Like it will probably be what takes, how it goes with me, travels with me to the end. Um, I'm not trying to do that, but I, what I've really noticed is that what we're not dealing with, at least up here, is the fear that people experience with any cancer, but particularly lung cancer. And there's also a lot of, um, stigma that goes along with lung cancer that that it's our own fault and uh people don't you know more education about radon gas with you know all kinds of pollutants and and um somehow help people with the and that's where i think we're really falling down like can be in any specific a lot of people up here don't even have doctors i have been here long enough that I have a doctor. A lot of people do not even have a regular doctor, especially people in the communities. So they just go with whoever they can see. And so that's also a problem. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a privileged person in my treatment. I have amazing uh, family. I have amazing friends. I've had basically the same doctor for like a long time. I mean, she's retired and I have her new one, the new one that took her place. But a lot of people don't have those, especially when they're living in the small, small fly-in communities. They have nurses who are great. But yes, if we had a cancer clinic up here that could oversee the studies, I think it would make a huge, huge difference. We have a lot of cancer. I don't know how much lung cancer, but I'm meeting more and more. Right. Yeah, well, you're right that there is a stigma with lung cancer. And, um, you know, as a, as a charity, we really um, try to fight against that. Uh, anyone yeah. who has lungs can get lung cancer, regardless of their exposures to um, 
uh, tobacco smoke or um, or radon or other um, pollutants and yet there is a stigma as you say that um, society seems to tell anyone with lung cancer well it's your fault and and that's uh, that's wrong and and uh, so we fight against that and and lung cancer Canada I guess uh, our mandate is to support patients and caregivers um, with lung cancer across the country you know so that that doesn't mean uh, Toronto Ottawa and Edmonton it means uh, Yellowknife and it means um, Sydney Nova Scotia and it means uh, it means resolute and uh, Medicine Hat and uh, Vancouver Island and and all the places in Canada that I hope to get to at some point in my life. Um, Elise, thank you so much for, <laughs> me too. for taking the time uh, with me to, to tell your story and, and uh, really a success story I, I'm hearing for you in terms of how your treatment has gone and how, how, how well it's been working. Um, I guess it's a shout out to the Cross Cancer Institute and Dr. Charlie Butts. It's a shout out to immunotherapy and chemotherapy. It's a shout out to clinical trials. It's yes, a shout it out to uh, our Canadian system of ensuring that people who live long away yes. can get access to care. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, highlighting some ways we can improve. Do, do you have any final things that you'd like to say before we wrap up? before we finish up? Well, I, I want to once again thank the, the uh, Lung Cancer Canada because Lung Cancer Canada was the first place I phoned when I heard I had cancer. And you were all so helpful to me and, and directed me to ask the certain kinds of questions because I could, when I first heard, I, couldn't, I could hardly read. <laughs> I was too you know, caught in the fear. And, um, and I really... Uh, oh, I just want to say this one more thing about uh, the immune therapy and your value map. What they're hoping is that lung cancer becomes a chronic disease. And, and I just, I really think that's a great aim in life. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Mullen. Please send us your feedback, like, and follow us on Facebook at LungCan, on Twitter at LungCancer underscore can, and on Instagram at LungCancerCanada. For more information about lung cancer or to donate, volunteer or share your story, visit our webpage at lungcancercanada.ca.